Yeah, I just saw you eat a whole freaking, uh, what is that, avocado toast or whatever? Yeah. Um, hi, this is Mark with Plot Points Podcast. In case you're wondering who this idiot is that I'm, uh, I have as a co-host, it's Alejandro Seri. Uh, we have known each other for 12 or so years. Um, he's, I won't, I hate to admit this in front of him, but he's a pretty great guy. Uh, and uh, I'll let him introduce himself. But hi, Alejandro. How are you this morning, man? <clears throat> Good, Mark. Uh, great to, to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, this is, I believe, the second time yeah. coming on, and we had a blast when we did this last time. Well, the last time we did it, we did it live, um, or, or we did it in person. Now we're on Zoom, uh, but we did it at the college where I teach, and uh, it was great. You came down. We spent a couple. We did a couple hours worth. Uh, it, I think I put it out in two or three parts, but you. We talked mostly about Final Draft, which tell them. Uh, tell I know you know your 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 audience probably follows you everywhere in the world. Uh, but what do you what what do you do at Final Draft besides take up space? I have an audience. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> um, I'm uh, simply put, I'm I'm the director of enterprise sales. So right now, I I manage the team that sells to schools and studios around the world. Um, but I'm also the, the essentially the supervisor for the entire sales team. So I have <clears throat> somebody who manages the general sales team, mm. catches calls uh, when people call in for single licenses and also the our reseller channel. Um, and I've been there for this year. I just hit my 13th anniversary. Oh, so when I when we met, you had just basically started uh with yeah uh, i was the marketing director for the first five years and then i moved over um into studio and edu sales yeah and kind of been there ever since but yeah. um you know we all we all wear many hats there at the company um so it's rare that somebody only does one thing and there's a lot of crossover and sales and marketing obviously go hand in hand so yeah um, yeah. yeah but it's it's so we're not so you're here today as a as kind of a co-host, but also as a writer. You're not. We're not really going to deal with your your final draft stuff. Uh, yes, please. And, and and all views expressed by me uh, are not the views. In the <laughs> they don't they don't reflect <laughs> your corporate. The company. And even though I just said that, I'll probably still get fired over whatever I say. No, we're, that's all right. I'll edit. I'll edit it out, or I'll insert something to guarantee that you get fired. One or the other. So. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I had a background as a. Um, as a filmmaker, my way into the company was simply, um, I started, I studied film. I was, I was writing and directing. And then <clears throat> there came a, a slump in the indie film scene where it just became very difficult to make a living, you know, without being a big famous breakthrough filmmaker, it was hard to make a living just writing or directing. Right. So I actually went back to school and studied entertainment marketing and started working at a trailer house, which uh, led to me being hired at Final Draft to work for marketing mm. for um, the release of, uh, I think it was Final Draft 8 that they brought me on for. Um, but uh, I'm one of those people, you know, lucky enough to have had uh, a leg in filmmaking, and I was able to transfer all those skills and experiences over to a, a good, steady great not good great day job which mm. has become my career now so um it's it's rare that you could study something in the arts make a living at it just as rare to you know kind of move beyond it past it and still use 
that experience and knowledge in some other job mm-hmm. and you still make money off of that knowledge. So yeah, I, I still make a living off of my filmmaking knowledge. Um, well, that's great. I'm writing a script or not at the moment, it all comes into play. What I do at work, it makes me good at my job and my job has always kept me psyched to continue writing and, and being in that world. So I'm really lucky. Yeah. You, well, you, you know, you work hard at it too. So um, it was final draft date, by the way, and the bottom of the email that I, I originally sent to you and you responded to, it says it's arrived final draft version eight professional screenwriting software. So this was uh, yeah. 2009. So uh, that that's exactly right. So, um, so I, I just want to emphasize that, you know, you, you are tangential to, to writing right now, but you're still, I meant the last time you were down here that we had lunch together face to face, you talked about a project that was just amazing. And I, I've been bugging you ever since. And of course you're, you're, you're just too busy right now, but boy, that would be a great project for you to, to pick up and run with, man. I know it has something to do. You, you also are a, a avid, um, a BMXer, right? You do a lot of bike. I uh, BMX mountain bike. I've been racing on and off for almost for about eight years. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, so it, it's been in and out of my life, and um, I was lucky enough. I was national champion one year. I raced the world championships, uh, representing USA twice. No Once kidding. in Argentina, which is where my family's from. So it was awesome to go to Argentina as part of Team USA, racing the worlds there. Yeah. Family wow. there, watch. Um, it was wow. an amazing experience. But I only mentioned that because I'm going to refer to that a few times, I think, today. Because I've been thinking a lot now that I've gotten back into riding and racing. And what I learned that year that uh, I won the championship and, and I got to go to the world. I didn't win the worlds, but I won the national championship. It taught me a lot <clears throat> about perseverance, and I've applied the lesson I learned that year in my life to filmmaking and to working at Final Draft, and I try to apply those lessons to really everything challenging that comes my way in life, being a father, being a husband. like I, That taught me a lot, and I think that sports and art, they're very similar. Well, they're and, yeah, they're, cra- they're craft and art together, and you have to have that work ethic or else you don't you don't succeed. There's no way you can do it. You, there's no way this business uh, ha- is easy. So, you know, you, we both know that. So yeah. you've had some success with film, but we'll talk about it in a little bit. I don't want to get, this isn't the Alejandro show. So we're, we're going to Wait, on. wait, wait. That's how you got me. Here. I know, I know. But now I'm telling you it isn't. So I'm uh, not going to badge it in my name. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we, you know, usually the format of the podcast is what are you working on? What are you watching? Et cetera, et cetera. We do a top five. We're not going to do a top five, but have you been uh, watching anything lately that you want to pass on uh, any recommendations? Oh, you know, with this pandemic that we're in for the last 10 months. No, I haven't watched TV at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. I've been reading all these great classic books and everything. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I don't. I think I've forgotten how to read. I don't think I've read this book anymore. Um, no, yeah, boy. Uh, as horrible as this pandemic has been, it it probably has done wonders for the studios and the content providers because 
pretty much everyone on earth that has any device is probably binging the heck out of everything they can get their hands on. Right. To the point of, I'm sure the studios have actually run out of content and, you know, racing to create more because everyone's watched everything. So yeah, a lot of time on the tube, on the, on the TV or on the phone, even Um, it's funny, you know, when I lay in bed, if I hold up my cell phone, that screen is bigger than the screen that's on my wall, (laughs) my phone in proportion to the distance. So the distance. Yeah, I get that. I I hate as a filmmaker to admit it, but I'm watching a lot of stuff on my phone. You should be, yeah, you should be ashamed of yourself. You really should. I know it's horrible, but yeah, I've, I've watched a few things. I mean, recently, I started the the Warrior on um, HBO uh, Max, and it's uh, it's based on Bruce Lee's writings. So you know, it's, it's some cool martial arts, which I know you, something that you're very absolutely, in, yeah. But also uh, some kind of cool storylines, and um, I think it might come from the Cinemax side of it. So that, you know, there's obviously you know, every 15 minutes there has to be a loose thrown yeah. in, you know, boobs, no yeah. What. But um, it's pretty cool. I like it. it, it it's it's very stylized. And, I have uh, to check it out. Yeah, I never... um, pretty good. Something else I recently watched was Midnight Sky. Um, uh, and that was uh, pretty interesting. And, oh, one that's really great. If you have uh, Apple TV is The Morning Show. Oh yeah, with yeah, I have I don't have Apple TV nor mm-hmm. HBO. I can't afford those premium channels like the yeah. guys that are making the big the big uh-huh. bu- big bank like you. It was actually quite quite affordable, and and we got it just to watch that because somebody told me uh, that it was great. It really was was great. And what then, was the other one? What was the one after Warrior? Um, Midnight Sky. Midnight Sky. Okay, I'm writing these down so I don't have to. So when I do the show notes, I can have them. Uh, so, yeah. uh, and then. Um, one thing that I've done more more of lately because there's just more time, you know, at night. I mean, no one's going anywhere on the weekends and stuff. Is to watch more documentaries and documentary series. So on Netflix, there was this really awesome documentary called "Break It All," which is uh, a mini, you know, a short series documentary series on the rock and español, the rock, uh, Spanish rock scene international scene um starting in the 50s oh wow all the way up to modern day um and it was amazing i i I, being argentine american you know i speak fluent spanish so i've listened to spanish rock in fact many of my you know little mixtapes that you make as a writer when you're starting a project a, a lot of my projects um are bilingual and they may take place in Argentina or in Mexico. So I'll always create these little mixtapes. So I've had a lot of Spanish rock as well as good old American and British rock uh, on these little uh, mixtapes that I create. So I, I knew a bit about it already. And way back in the day, uh, maybe 20 years ago, I started researching the Spanish rock scene in LA um, and, and became friends with some people and, and got to meet some of these mega bands that came over from Argentina when they would play in LA. I was connected to some of the local folks who were friends with them from back in the motherland. And I was able to meet, um, and go to some of these shows like, so the stereo and, and folks like that. So I took an interest in it and I started researching it. I wanted to do a documentary on the LA Spanish rock scene. That'd be interesting. Um, so, you know, this was something that 
caught my eye for those reasons, but um, some of that music is really fantastic. And even if you don't understand Spanish, I, I would say check out that documentary. You may stumble upon some new bands that you may really start to like, whether or not you understand what they're singing about. Oh yeah, no, I uh, great music I, in there. Yeah, I. It's funny you should mention that because I watched last night. Uh, I ran across this. I don't know if it just popped up. It's called Ratones. Uh, paranosis, paranosis. Para, yeah, that's exactly what I said. I don't know why you had to correct me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was this band that apparently was huge in either Argentina, Venezuela, I guess. Um, but man, the music was fantastic. I, I had no idea what they were singing about, didn't care. But some of the, some of the stuff that comes out of, uh, Spanish language is just amazing. I love the music. So, <laughs> and you know, what's, what's really cool about it, um, and this is where maybe the lyrics, if you could understand them, um, it, it would all make more sense. But obviously you could watch this documentary subtitle and it jumps back and forth between Spanish and English. Oh, and that's the same amazing. with this one. Yeah. Yeah. So. People inevitably end up in LA and America at some point, but a lot of a lot of those bands were what they sang about. What just forming a band was? It was all political action and reaction to what was going on in those countries. Mm. Those, I mean, you know, in some of these countries, and you know, in the late sixties, early seventies. I mean, having long hair, being a rocker, writing songs or protests could literally get you killed. Yeah, that's true. Get you you know, disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, especially, yeah. During that, during the 80s, 70s and 80s, the disappeared yeah. were, that was, that was real, man. So a lot of the music um, embraces that. And, and in a way, the music, the scenes exploded and, and came to life because of what was happening. Mm. And of course they embraced it. And then, you know, then things change in some of these countries. And then the new wave of music kind of talks about, Oh shoot! Look at how our country's changed. Like, yeah, right. maybe, it's, maybe it's not that great that we have that much freedom. Because now, look at the pendulum has swung to the other direction, and now everything's out of control. So it's really you could really follow a country's history, cultural and political history, through some of these bands and the music scene. So it, it, it's good. You know, yeah. I, it was quite interesting to watch and, and entertaining. So yeah, I recommend the one I saw. I recommend it. I even if you don't like. Uh, I don't know. It was a great. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I just want to take a break and remind everybody we're Plot Points Podcast. We're a subsidiary or an offshoot of OC Screenwriters, although we're an independent project. But um, we also have OC Screenwriters has an event coming up in uh, January on January 23rd. You can you can find it uh, every, online if you go to ocscreenwriters.com. It's a uh, it's a really it might be interesting to you, Alejandro. It's a kind of a, a a new age guru kind of guy who talks about uh, opening uh, uh, taking barriers away from you for your creativity. So it's increasing your creativity. Uh, he call, we we're calling it hacking the writer mind uh, to be able to uh, to 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 give a a writer a better chance at, at avoiding writer's block and becoming more creative and stuff. It's only five bucks. I'll, I'll jump you in. You've done enough for me. So um, <laughs> if you're interested and then uh, my classes, my script writing classes are also getting started pretty quick uh, this month. So the intro class I think starts in fe- actually it's in February, but the intermediate class starts this month. It's uh, scriptwritingclasses.org for information and uh, OC screen or, um, uh, Orange Coast College 
community ed. So anyway, it's uh, a lot going on in January for me, and uh, it's a, it's I it's good. It's 2021's turning out good so far. So uh, you can reach us at uh, plotpoints.com or 919 scripts. You can give a call and leave a message and uh, yell at Alejandro and tell him, (laughs) what do you know? That's right. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so dude, uh, first of all, I I just want to, I want to say thank you again for, uh, I hope you come back. I do want to touch before we have to go here. I do want to touch on why you think you're not writing besides the fact that you're, I know you're busy and stuff, but can you talk a little bit about what, how difficult it is to be a writer? And also, I mean, you have a family, so you have a, you have an absolute need to have healthcare and a steady paycheck. And, you know, the mansion Casa Seri is a very beautiful. I can see the background there. It looks like your wife is kept busy cleaning it. Cause I know you don't do that shit. Uh, <laughs> well, my wife's actually a designer. So I do the cleaning. She does the designing. Okay. Well, like there. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, that's a, I don't believe any of that, but anyway, it is beautifully designed. So I'm, I do believe your wife is a designer. I think you've mentioned that before. So anyway, tell me, tell me a little bit about why, how frustrating it is to, I mean, you have to balance who you are as a father, a husband, uh, and just a person living in California with, with, you know, the writing, the creative side of you, you're very creative. You're very, very creative. So I, it really pisses me off that you're not writing. So (laughs) pisses me off too. Um, well, you know, my personal experience was this when, when, when my son, my oldest is, uh, my son, when he was first born, and I remember saying it to all my friends who didn't have kids yet, um, I, I tend to hang out with younger people between where I work, being in the film industry, and, right. and when I've taught, you know, it's just always younger people. You're the only person that's the exception to that rule, Mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm much, much younger than the guys you normally <laughs> deal with. <laughs> So you uh, just you just outed yourself. You just said you've been you've been you've been riding for eight years. So you what you would you jump on a bike when you were an embryo? What the hell? So (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but but, you know, what I would tell my younger friends who didn't have families yet is, you know, when my when my son was first born, I was definitely still riding and. I would tell them, you know, if there's anything that will help you get over writer's block or procrastination or wasting time on writer's block, it will be having a kid because then you are in survival mode. If you want to still write, you must make time in your life to write. And and there's nothing that will make you appreciate time Mm. like having a kid. So what it did for me really, you know, like anyone else... I experienced writer's block that, you know, we all do, but that was the one thing that helped me get over it. I did not have the luxury of having writer's block. Either I was going to write in the 20, 30 minutes I had a day to be able to write, or I was hanging it up. Yeah. So I chose to write. And if I only had 20 or 30 minutes a day, I had to go straight to it. I did not allow the luxury of saying, I need an hour to get in the mood. I got to go to my coffee shop. And all those things are, are procrastination. Right. So you could overcome that. Um, and the reality is that once, once you're able to do that, however much I got done in that half hour a day, let's say I was doing, you know, on a good day, I was doing 10 pages in half an hour that that's a lot that's amazing let's say if it's five pages even that's still a lot 
what it did was, yeah, I, I wasn't writing eight hours a day or four hours a day like the other writers out there, but I was hitting the right pace for whatever amount of time I had. And that was important because then later as my son got older and you, you no longer have to watch with an eagle eye to make sure they don't hurt themselves. And, you know, as your kids get older, you, you know, you get that time back, which is nice. That's the mm. good news. Um, but so as I had more time, I was just a more efficient, faster writer because of going through that with my son. Right. And that, that to me, I think that's important and it really connects to what I'm doing now that I've gotten back into riding and racing and I'm training on the bicycle. And uh, I listened to this guy, uh, Greg Romero. He was an Olympic coach for the U S BMX team um, for at least two Olympics, maybe three, at least two. And I listen when I'm on the rollers in the garage training, I listen to all the free content he gives. And there's something about, you know, in most sports, you train with more weight. You lift heavier weight so when you're doing the sport, it's easier, right? Right. But when it comes to something like bike racing, BMX, and, and mountain cross, and dual slalom, it's a sprint sport. So when you're training and practicing, you actually want to go full-blown. you know. And if it means, okay, you're only going to sprint half the track instead of the whole track so you could sprint it at 80%. You should do that versus putting, I don't know, ankle weights on and, mm. and sprinting at half the speed, but you got all this resistance in your training. And writing, I think, is the same way. That's what I did. I was able to say, okay, I only have 20 minutes a day to write. Well, I'm going to sprint at 80% during those 20 minutes. And, you know, if a normal writer could do 20 pages a day in eight hours, you know, I'm going to do the equivalent of that in my in, half hour. In your, in your time, yeah. You know, and that was – that really – that taught me a lot. And right. I think that's my answer to you. Like how was I able to still write and be in the industry while having a full time, you know, job, which is now an executive job. Even back then it was already kind of an executive job. That's how I did it. It's just, you know, if I only had uh, an hour at night after work, I made that hour count. Mm. But I yeah, think that and consistency is important. Um, well, it, in music, when I was a musician, we called it chops. What I think, the biggest thing I think you've said is you believed, though, that you could sell a script. I have students who I don't believe can, that I don't think they believe they can sell a script. And I, we're both here to tell you that that can be done. We've both had success in the industry. Um, but I mean, you have to believe that, right? You have to, you have to focus and say, even if I have a half hour a day to write, by the end of this time, I'm going to have a full script and it's going to sell, right? I mean, why do it otherwise? Yeah, you, you definitely have to have, you have to have that psych. You, you have to have a very positive mindset. Why the heck are you writing if you don't believe that you have at least one great story in you that is worthy mm -hmm. of being made into a movie? Like, why are you doing? I know. I well, some people, some people better. explore. Now nah, that, but they people explore. I get that. You know, it's like, well, I've wanted to do this, and I want to check it out. But you're, I think, for me, it's it's. You talk about that that issue about you have to write, you have to get it done. And for me, it was a matter of I was in. I was try, once I sold my first script. I, it took me a year to sell a second one. And then I determined I was so, you know, full of myself. I thought, well, I can do this and, you know, whenever. Boy, when I got that second script, I, I never looked back. I never said, I'll, I'll never take it for granted again. 
Um, and you know, you just have to, you just have to believe it and move and move forward through it. So, yeah, uh, I, I think there's two things that drive people that want to become writers. You know, there there's watching movies and, you know, maybe you watch a movie that's not all that great. And you, and go, you say, oh, I can do better. <laughs> you know, that guy, that bozo got paid for that. I can do better. Yeah. That's maybe, you know, 98% of the people that decide to try writing. It starts with that. But the other thing too is, um, you know, as writers, we're, we're manipulating the emotions of our audience. And right. we do this on purpose through structure. This We are puppet masters, right? We're laying down a game plan in that script that's going to make you cry or laugh at the end. So sometimes as viewers of a film or a TV show, we start to see those little, uh, the subliminal um, mapping um, before it happens. You know, we, we, we get that aesthetic emotion. It clicks with us before it happens. And that is another reason why people think they could be a writer. Like I've figured out the secret language of this movie, you know, 10 seconds before the moment happened if I could reverse engineer that I could actually build my own movie, my own script. So that's another reason why I think people become writers. And you know what? You probably are right. If you think that, so now you got to run with that. Like mm. you became a writer because you know, you have at least one good story to tell. And so once you dive in, you have to continue to believe that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap it up here. Unfortunately, uh, we're running really, really long, but uh, that's okay. I'm happy to be with with Alejandro Seri, who's become a friend. I mean, we met for business, and and uh, we've we've become friends. I, I you know, I I can only un- I can only believe that he's a great husband and father uh, because he's a pretty great guy. So he's helped a lot. We've we've worked a lot together on other projects. Alejandro's with Final Draft. He's one of the He's been one of the rising stars there for quite a while. I won't I won't say what I think position he should have at the company. But. <laughs> All right, let's let it out of the bag. You think I should be the janitor? And, yes, I think you should. Throw, I think they should throw your ass out. You you you're dead weight on the company. So uh, <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, but uh, he's been there for quite a while. Uh, we, I've known him for eleven or twelve years, and uh, he's gone from final draft eight to eleven and twelve. Went. You want to mention uh, twelve at some point? Or is I it, mean, we're, we're always working on what's next. Right. I mean, you know, we release something new today. By tomorrow, we're already not even by tomorrow. Before right. before we released it, we're already working on what's next. So we're of constantly course, developing what's coming next. Um, n- nothing to announce yet, but there's there's always. I I'm lucky enough that I get to see some of the amazing and exciting stuff that they're developing for future versions. And uh, yeah, it's it's. Let's just put it that this is it's not done yet. There's still a lot more that can and will come in the future really yeah. stuff. it always amazes me that uh, you guys always uh always up stakes on on making it better and more more user friendly there's a couple things that i'd love to see you incorporate but uh that's you know i've made my suggestions but uh anyway uh we are plot points podcast my name is mark sevi my guest host today was alejandro seri from final draft you can find us on plotpoints.com there's a uh there's an event happening through OC Screenwriters. Uh, just go to ocscreenwriters.org uh, or, or find our Facebook page um, and uh, sign up for this really cool online event with uh, Stephen R. Campbell, who is a kind of a self-help guru who's going to help tell us how to get out of our own way. Um, also, my classes start pretty soon. Uh, script, writer, script writing 
uh, classes.org. A whole bunch of stuff. If you just look up Orange County Screenwriters Association or OC Screenwriters, you'll find all that stuff. So Alejandro, really and truly, I mean, I, we, you and I joke a lot, but I really enjoy our interaction. I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours. The only thing you're doing wrong, as far as I can tell, is you're not writing enough. So uh, hopefully... Hopefully there was some some snippet of inspiration in in this podcast that will get you back running. Absolutely, and th- thank you, Mark. And yeah, I mean that that's besides the uh, the great laughs that you and I have. I love talking to you because you you always reignite that fire under my butt to Good. get back to writing. Um, and sometimes I need that. Like I'll reach out to you just because I know you'll get me in that mood and and scold me for not writing. Absolutely. So thank you for well, being here's here here's my here's my final thread if you don't write that story that we talked about two or three years ago when you were down here i'm going to write it so i'm going to steal it from <laughs> oh <you>. no <laughs> and i'll make them i'll remember i'll murder it i'll massacre it it will never be yeah. as good as what you could do but uh but if you don't do it i'm going to do it because it's a really great idea so uh anyway uh alejandro is uh is one of the great guys that that makes final draft i think the great company it is he's he's consistently been there for them and uh he's been there for me too and oc screenwriters that's how we met uh when he was he was instrumental in getting us some good stuff for our first event back in 2009 so uh anyway enough of that love you man i really enjoy hanging with you and talking to you and all that stuff so thank you mark let's do let's do some more soon sure you're welcome back anytime as a as a co-host so and for for myself, Alejandro, and all my friends, and uh, at, at OC screenwriters, be inspired, do good work.